Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened. Today we're going to be talking about one of my favorite subjects, your guardian angel. Don't you love talking about angels? What I love is guardian angels are like the weather. Everybody gets treated fairly. No one gets a better guardian <laughs> angel just because of their address or what's in their bank account. <laughs> we all get treated the same and everybody gets one. That's right. So angels are here to teach us spiritual lessons. They're here to guide us to be more patient and tolerant and to help us learn to love in all its forms. And what I love, Denise, is that almost every society, culture, and religion has a belief in a guardian angel. Right. And that, that goes back to what I said a few minutes ago, is it's not, you don't have to be Christian, you don't have to be Muslim, you don't have to be Jewish. We all have guardian angels. We really do. The Greeks called them daemons. The Romans called them their genius, which I thought was really interesting. The Egyptians called them their ba or ka. Islam teaches that we each have four guardian angels, two to watch us during the day and two to watch us at night. The Hindu version of guardian angels are called, and forgive my pronunciation here, Gandavaras, which are the male angels, and Asparas, which are the female angels. The Buddhists have bodhisattvas, which names, whose name means beings of enlightenment, and they can appear in human or celestial form. The Jewish people have wonderful stories about guardian angels. I found this book years ago for my kids. It's called Angel's Secrets, and it's by a woman um, whose last name is Chaikin, C-H-A-I-K-I-N. Now, I got this at the library book sale, but I'm pretty sure it's still in print. And it has all the updated versions of the Jewish stories on guardian angels, which I think is just wonderful for parents to instill this idea that we have an angel to watch out for us from a young age. What I've read and what I believe is that it's about the golden rule, which loops right back to the tenets of all the major religions saying the same thing do unto others. I mean, it's, it's very much be kind, be loving, do the right thing, have a moral compass. All the major religions and all the spiritual practices pretty much say the same thing, which goes again with making non-denominational a part of this guardian angel situation. Exactly. And most of the religions say that we have angels whose name means messengers because we can't I don't know, behold, fathom, see, handle the light of God. Even Socrates wrote, God does not deal directly with man. It is by means of the spirit that all intercourse and communication of gods and men, both in waking life and sleep, is carried on. So that's one of the reasons why we have guardian angels. The third century mystic origin said guardian angels are invisible protectors assigned to us by God at birth to guide us in thoughts, words, and deeds. And he said it is through prayer that they make themselves known to us. He believed, like the ancient Greeks, that we each had a guardian angel and a guardian negative thing to help us choose to always follow freely God's path. Well, that's and a huge part of this is free will. Yes. That, that they're there. They'll help us. They'll protect us. They'll guide us. But it still comes back to that ultimate gift that we've all been given, which is free will. Yes, and we have to ask. We have to ask through just saying, angels help me, or through a prayer. But 
we have to ask for angels' help. They can only intervene if we ask or if we're doing something that is off our path. So if it's in our blueprint that we're supposed to get mugged on October 4th in the year 1997, they can't prevent that from happening. They can sit with us and be with us through a difficult time. But if it's part of our soul plan, they can't prevent it. However, if we take a wrong turn down a road and a mugger approaches us, they can intervene. And the difference between your own specific guardian angel and the angelic realm. So we did the show a while back on archangels and we can all tap into the archangels. We all have, but this is more, we were each gifted, assigned, made a connection with whatever words you choose at birth or, and I believe prior to birth, actually, if you follow the ideology that we contract for our lives and we make all these decisions before we get here, I can see that we would have, you know, kind of a group meeting. All right, this is my job. This is your job. This is what the path looks like. But we all have. And so someone had asked me once, well, what, what about me? I'm an atheist. I don't believe in that. And I thought, you st- I, I'm sorry, you still get one. Yes, you do. <laughs> yeah, it's like students who would sit in my English class and say, I don't want to be here, but it's a requirement. So I'm just going to sit here and get whatever grade I can get. And I'm like, well, I'm still going to teach you. <laughs> right. Now, St. Patrick, he wrote and talked often about his guardian angel and how he saw him and spoke with him and was helped by him many, many times. He said his angel's name was Victorisicus and frequently appeared to him. His first experience was when he was kidnapped and became a slave in Ireland. And St. Patrick said his angel gave him detailed instructions on how to escape. And even, you know, Padre Pio, he's like mm-hmm. one of my most favorite saints. He's the most recent one to receive the stigmata. The healings and the location and the miracles he was able to perform are just amazing. And he spoke often about his guardian angel. He said Padre Pio, his angel, would help him translate the thousands of letters he received for help and healing from all over the world, that the, his angel would help him read the letters in all these different languages. Isn't that amazing? It is amazing. And it also makes perfect sense that a lot of the things that would have come through and this is an odd way to put it, but wouldn't be they a lot of the messages that come through don't feel like they're coming from an earthly presence. Yes, yes, and they do help that is beyond human help. Now, there's a lot of famous people that have believed in angels, and some might surprise you. One who probably won't is William Butler Yeats, who wrote so much about fairies, but he also wrote about his strong belief in guardian angels. Thomas Edison, he believed so much in the world of spirits and angels that he was working on a telephone device that would allow us to, you know, like E.T. phone home. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of speculation about where those notes went. Charles Lindbergh, when he made his historic flight across the Atlantic Ocean, he told reporters that he did it with the help of an unseen angel by his side. Henry Ford, General Patton, you know, the big tough guy from World War II? Mm Mm-hmm. J. Paul Getty, they all said that they were helped throughout their life by their guardian angels. And Sir Shackleton, you know the guy who explored the Antarctic? Yeah. He told reporters that he was aware the whole time of what he called, quote, one more who traveled with them and helped them always. 
I love stories like that. I love when like famous men of like, and women of science and you know, the whole left brain, right brain stuff, when they believe in angels, I just think it's, it's really cool. And like I was telling you before we started the show, Denise, I read that Paul, Pope Paul VI actually created a group of priests to work on angels. In 1968, he created a group called the Opus Sanctorum Angelorum, which means the work of the holy angels. And initiates chosen for this group, they have to pass through three stages. The first stage lasts one year. And in this stage, they have to promise to love and work with their guardian angels. And during this one-year stage, they would learn the name of their guardian angel. The second stage is a candlelit ceremony where they promise to become like angels. And then in the third stage, they have a ceremony of consecration where they dedicate their life and work to the angels and archangels. Now, I thought I knew a lot about the Catholic Church. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. October 2nd is the Catholic feast day for guardian angels. I did know that. It's not a holy day of obligation, but it is nice that there's a whole day set aside where you can go to church and just thank the archangels and thank your guardian angels, which I think is really, really great. Now, have you had an experience with your guardian angel? I have, and I think, and I'll share that in a minute, and I just want to add on to what you were just saying, that the beauty of this relationship with your guardian angel is that it is complete the real true meaning of unconditional love. It's an eternal love that's given freely. It's your birthright. They're never going to turn their back on you. They're never going to abandon you. So I think as empaths, sometimes we might hit these spots in the road where we feel like we're so alone and that we don't have any support and help. It may be helpful to think about, well, at least my guardian angel has my back on this because they're, they're they're not going to abandon you. They're not going to leave you hung out to dry. And especially in times of crisis or when, you know, that's what they came for was to be completely and entirely devoted to you, which is pretty damn special when you think about it. It really is. And, And like you said, there's nothing we can do to make our guardian angel go, nope, I'm out. I read a really neat story. There's a great book by Richard Webster called Spirit Guides and Angel Guardians, Contact Your Invisible Helpers. It's an older book. I think it was published in the early 90s, but still available. And it has a lot of great exercises and meditations to help you link in. But he tells this story where he was giving lectures at a maximum security prison. And Mm -hmm. a man came up to him and said, I had a history of violence. My dad used to beat me up all the time. So I beat up other kids, smaller kids. And when I grew up, I joined a gang and was in fights all the time. When I got married, I tried to put it all behind me. Every time I had violent thoughts, I bottled them all up. One day, I just exploded. And he talks about how he had this fight with a neighbor and almost beat him to death and was sent to prison. He said it was awful being totally out of control and it cost me everything. Anyways, just two days after arriving here in this prison, I woke up one morning and there was this huge angel standing beside my bed. I wanted to scream. I was so terrified. But everything scared me those first few days and I didn't want to attract attention to myself. He was dressed in white robes and everything seemed to gleam. The white was not ordinary white. It was somehow pure and perfect. And once I got used to him, my heart stopped racing. What do you want? I asked. The angel said nothing but just looked at me. The compassion and understanding in his eyes made me cry. 
I felt so ashamed of myself and what I'd done. While I was crying, he rested his hand on my shoulder, and I felt a tingle go through my whole body. It was like a small electric shock, but it was a good feeling. I suddenly felt happier than I'd been in months, years, and then he just disappeared. My cellmate slept through the whole thing. I didn't tell him. I didn't tell anyone. But I waited and waited for him to come back again. I don't mind waiting. I've got nothing but time to burn. It took ages for him to come back, maybe three months. Anyways, I woke up one morning and there he was again. I asked him where he'd been and he said he was waiting for me to call him. Why should I call you? I asked. You can call me whenever you need me, he said. And then he was gone. Come back, I called out. And then I heard this voice inside me saying, be at peace. I am with you all the time. And he is. I know he's there. I hardly ever see him, but he's definitely there. And Richard Webster goes on to say that this formerly violent man is now a model prisoner and that he has completely reformed his life. So I just think that's an example of how no matter what we do in our lives, our angels love us. And a lot of people believe you have more than one. That you don't just, some of us, I think, need the dream team. We need more than one because we make choices or end up in circumstances that one would say, okay, I need some help here. Come on. She's, she's being foolish again. So I, I think that that's another whole, that depends on your religious persuasion or your background or your own personal belief system. A lot of what I've read, they do have their own unique personalities similar to humans. And after you start working with your guardian angel for a while, you may start to feel that some might be playful, some might be very protective, some might be strong, some might be humble. I mean, it's an energetic. We always talk about this on all the shows. It's what Samantha and I do is we work with energy. And it's just a different vibrational energy that you tap into. Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, when I do readings, I will often see people's angels. And if I see a group of angels around someone, usually it means they're going through a difficult time. And so it's like you said, they've kind of called in extra helpers. But sometimes I'll do readings for people, I'll see a group of angels, and they're not going through a difficult time. But then I'll find out what they do for a living. And they're either a a surgeon or a hospice nurse or they're leading a police department. You know, they have these really big, heavy, emotional jobs. And I think sometimes, depending on the work we do, we might call in extra angels. I agree. And as far as names, there are some people who you, I'm thinking of someone who's quite famous, who will say, oh, your, your guardian angels are Mary and Sarah, or yours are Ben and you know, Joey, I mean, they'll, they'll just boom, boom, boom. I think that it is a personal thing. I don't think that they're going to care what you call them. I really don't. I don't think that if you don't have the name, that means that they won't be with you. No. They, but people tend to get hung up on that kind of stuff. So as far as back to your question about a protective guardian angel story, and I don't think I've shared this before, but I may have. Um, my older son was a baby. We were living in Southern Oregon in a very remote part of Southern Oregon. And if you've ever been there, the, the mountains are, are quite large. You can go out on BLM land and it's these windy, twisty roads out in the middle of nowhere, which are fabulous if you love that kind of thing, which I do. And we were driving a little scout, so an old, just a little, it didn't have a roof on it, a convertible little truck. And my ex-husband had bought this other vehicle, and we went to go pick it up, and we got to the top of the hill. And these are steep, windy mountain roads, 
like ridiculously steep and windy. And I said, are the brakes strong enough on this to tow this other vehicle down? Oh, Denise, what are you worrying about? I said, I really have a bad feeling about this. Please don't. We'll go around the long way. No, it's going to be fine. So we got halfway down this mountain road. And these are the kind with the big drop-offs. And the brakes went on, on the little truck, the Scout that we were in, International Scout. And so we're careening. It looks like <laughs> truly, if I in my mind's eye, I think, oh my God, that must have been, if I could have been watching that, it would have been, they're never going to make it. So about halfway down this mountain road, the truck spun around that we were in, the truck we were pulling, we were pulling a bigger vehicle, tipped over on its side, dragged down the middle of the road, spun us around three times. And the side I was sitting on in the passenger seat, I looked out over the side because it's a convertible. And it was like, probably a 200 foot drop and I'm not exaggerating in any way and my older son was maybe six months old sitting in this little car seat in between the two of us I have no doubt whatsoever that that was angelic projection there's no way we should have walked out of that we all should have wow. gone over the edge and died and I have no doubt in my mind that that was divine divinely orchestrated but I well, think that was a dream team effort of mine, my ex-husband, and my son's guardian angels. Said, yeah, they Holy were probably shit. like, let's get, let's get on this yeah, right now. But, but those type of things, when people walk away from, uh, I spoke with a young woman a few days ago who was in a horrific car crash, and automatically what came out of my mouth was, you never should have walked away from that. And she just stared at me and she said, I know. And I said, you didn't, even, I said, did you have like a little scratch on your hand? And she said, yeah, that nothing happened. It just came out of my mouth automatically. So when those kind of situations happen, that's big. It is. It really is. And I think they can be small things and big things like the one you just described, but they're always accompanied by that feeling of knowing, like how you just knew there was some type of protection and angelic help in that near accident. And I think that's important. One of my first experiences, I don't know if it was an angel or not, but it felt angelic. I was in high school. I was coming home from a party. It was late. I was past curfew. So I was very nervous and it was snowing. It had been snowing all winter long. And I was going a little faster than I should in the falling snow, but I was trying to not be as late as I already was. And right at right on my street. I was almost home, almost there. And I swerved and let the front end of my car went into a snowbank. And I got out of the car and I tried to push it, which was hopeless. It wasn't going anywhere. And I just sat on the bank of the snow staring at my car thinking, well, there goes the rest of my school year. Like my mom's going to ground me forever. And I just sent up a little prayer and I said, God, please send an angel to help me. And I swear to God, this very handsome man comes walking down the road. He was like 20, 25. It's like two in the morning. And he just comes walking down the road and he goes, looks like you need some help. I wasn't scared. I wasn't nervous. Now, I grew up with a mom who made me nervous of everything. Like we would watch Unsolved Mysteries and America's Most Wanted. And she'd always say, you know, never talk to strangers. But I wasn't nervous. And I said, yeah, I really do. And he pushed the car out of the snowbank, like as though it were a, a Lego stuck in the, in the snow. And I looked at the front of my car and there wasn't any damage to the bumper, which I thought was really odd. And I said, thank you. And he said, no problem, and kept on walking. Now, he didn't disappear or anything, but I got in my car. I drove home up the driveway. 
My mom was asleep, never knew I broke curfew. And now I had lived there at that point for five years. I knew everyone on my street. I didn't know him. Now, could he have been visiting a girlfriend and just decided to walk home in the snow at 2 a.m.? Maybe. But I always thought that was an angel. And then about a year later, I had had a really bad fight with my mom and went storming out of the house. I was running late for work. I get in my car. It's pouring rain. And I go down the road to the mall where I was working at Macy's. And in Connecticut, in my town, each side of the roads are lined with those three-foot-tall stone walls. You know, they've been there forever, like from Revolutionary War days. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do, yes. Okay. And they're just everywhere in my town. So I'm driving. I hit his patch. I skid. I hit the wall with the front of my bumper. I turned around. I hit the wall with the back of the car. And the airbag went off. And I was in pretty bad shape. And I was just sitting there. My car was totaled. And I didn't know, I was in shock. I didn't know what to do. And again, this very good looking man wasn't the same man, but both times I remember going, where are all these hot men in my neighborhood that I've never seen? Because <laughs> I was only three streets away at this point. And he walked up and he said, are you okay? I said, yes, I'm okay. And he said, okay, here's what you need to do. You need to turn the car off. Let me push it to the side of the road, call your parents and let me take you home. And I said, okay. And he pushed the car off the side of the road. I got into his pickup truck. He drove me the three streets back to my house. And I called AAA and, and dealt with it from there. Again, he didn't disappear. He wasn't dressed in white. There weren't angel wings. But it was just odd, I thought, those two situations happening within a year of, of each other. It felt angelic to me. Okay. Now, this is I love those stories, by the way, because it's not anything you were looking for. You weren't in church praying. You weren't meditating. It just happened. No. So two other thoughts I've had about this. Do we get the same guardian? Is one of our, and I think maybe this could be, one of our guardian angels comes in through all the incarnations, like knows our entire path through all the incarnations, all the multiple lifetimes, all the times we've touched foot on earth or other realms or whatever you may believe. I think that that could happen. Like you'd have one that would just be, okay, here we go again, Denise. What are we going to do this time? Yeah, I think it could happen. I've also read that the angels, the guardian angels are working to be promoted. Hmm. And like, as they do more and more good works, kind of like Clarence from It's a Wonderful Life, that they get promoted and move up to one of the other higher angel realms. Because like, there are angels who are in charge of, you know, just all the doctors in the world, or there are angels who are in charge of trees, and there are angels who are in charge of writers and artists. And so I have read that some of the guardian angels want to get promoted to those, those levels. So I don't know if we have one guardian angel for all incarnations or if some come and go. Now, it's interesting because I've had other angel experiences I've talked about before, so I won't go into them now. Um, I had an, I call it my angel in the cab in New York City. He was also a man. But whenever I meditate to connect with my angel, I always see a woman. And she has long, dark hair. I think I told the story many, many times, so I won't repeat it now, about how I, I received her name, Malaya. And yeah. so I don't know, maybe we have more than one angel. Maybe my angels know how boy crazy I was in high school and needed to appear as good looking men, so I trust them. I don't know. But every time I meditate or dream, I've, I've had a couple of dreams with angels. The 
really life-changing dream I had where a woman appeared to me in a nun's habit and said, are you ready to work for God and Jesus right before I started doing this work? And she had that long, dark hair. And then I've, during that whole awakening time, I was, I was getting a lot of readings. I think I got like four readings in one year, which I think is kind of too much. And all of those intuitives said they saw a guardian angel who was a woman with dark hair. So I don't know, maybe we do have more than one angel. I don't know. You have to wonder when you impulsively get the nudge to tip higher, to help the homeless person on the side of the road, to do something benevolent and kind that nobody knows about. Is that your guardian angel whispering in your ear saying, okay, highest and best, step it up. Do this because it's going to help everyone, not just yourself. Yes, I definitely think so. I think sometimes that's us and we're just being nice, kind light workers. Mm -hmm. And I think other times it is our guardian angel or their guardian angel nudging us. You know, um, Pope John Paul was famous for telling people, pray to your guardian angel, but also pray to the other person's guardian angel. And he talked a lot during the Cold War, how he would pray to Gorbachev's angels and to uh, Ronald Reagan's angels and ask them to help these meetings and negotiations to go well. So it could be the homeless person's angel nagging us to give a little more or the waitress who's worried how is she going to pay her car payment that week, nudging us to tip a little higher. The beauty of this is, again, my analogy about the weather, but if you choose a more traditional, uh, a biblical sense of, of the angelic presence of having a guardian angel, you can go to Matthew in the gospel and there's a line, and I hope I get this right, see that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels always behold the face of my Father who is in heaven. So that goes back to what you said about being kind of a right-hand man to the or person to, to God, but also being a buffer between the two. So if you're studying scripture, or I'm just amazed as hell that that popped out of my head. We're, yeah. We're, we're talking years. Um, That's awesome. <laughs> it's in there. It's just sometimes you can't access it. Uh, so I just think that if that's your belief system, it's equal to someone who is coming at it from a different direction, but it's all going to the same place. Yes, it really, really is. One of my favorite guardian angel stories that I've ever heard is from my friend Kathleen. Her dad was in the hospital. He was overcoming, I think, a surgery, but he was scheduled to get out within the week. And her older brother went to the hospital to visit his dad. And the dad said, I'm going to die tomorrow night. And Kathleen's brother went to the nurse and said, like, what's going on? Why is my dad saying this? You guys told me he's going to check out on Friday. And the nurse was like, I don't know, maybe it's the medication. And this other nurse walked up and she said, wait a minute, I think we might need to have a meeting. And she said, two other men on the hall on the ninth floor also reported seeing an angel walk into their room who said that they, the angel was going to take them home by the end of the week. Well, oh. Kathleen's brother didn't know what to make of this. And so they all just prayed and hoped for the best. And by Friday, all three of those men had passed. But it brought them so much comfort knowing that their dad had seen an angel who had said, I'm taking you home. Oh, that's, that's a beautiful gift. 
it really is to have that sense of peace and knowing. And if you, if you read stories from hospice nurses, nurses and doctors like visions, trips in crowded rooms, that's a very common story. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it really, you often people will see an angel or they'll hear a presence who's saying, you know, I'm going to escort you to the other side because we are never alone in birth or death. We do have our angels with us. There are, numerous ways that we can be assured of this, but I think the best way is to just really seek a relationship with them. When I was going through my whole awakening process and taking classes and getting readings and studying everything I could about all of this, that's when I learned my guardian angel's name, or at least one of my guardian angel's names, the woman. Mm -hmm. But also I had set out on a mission. I like to have little goals for myself. And so one of my missions that year was to acquire all the angel stones, all the crystals that were recommended for linking in with your guardian angel. And these include angelite, celestite, seraphonite, selenite, apophyllite. I guess the angels like the ites. I don't know. (laughs) There was one stone I couldn't find, petalite. I really wanted pink petalite because, you know, I love pink. And I couldn't find it. I mean, I even went on eBay, which is kind of tricky when you're looking for crystals sometimes. I could not find petalite. They had petalite earrings, but I was like, mm, I don't know. I wanted, I wanted a bag of angel stones. And I went to crystal stores in my town and South Carolina and up in the mountains. Um, I went to New York City to visit family. I went to the amazing crystal stores there. I couldn't find petalite. And so every night I'm praying to my angels, like, please help me find a petalite to complete my angel set, which is really kind of a silly prayer because you don't need crystals to link in with your angels, right? But I love crystals. And when I meditate to connect with my angels, I like to have my angel stones in my hand or in a circle around me. So it was just like a mission of mine. So I go to bed one night and my former husband, you know, obviously is next to me. We have been watching TV and, and you guys know, I'm like a meticulously clean person. So my end tables are always clean. I don't have clutter on them. I always have, a, you know, my lamp, my singing bowl, my plant, and a book. That's it. And so I go, we go to bed. I wake up in the morning, and there's this clear stone sitting on my end table. And I looked at it. I didn't know what it was. It looked like someone had taken it looked like a piece of ice. It looked like a, like a wrinkled ice cube. And I'm like, okay. And I'm thinking, could Mike have like, Mike is like a really good guy, but he's not the romantic gesture type of guy. Who's like, Hmm, my wife has been looking for this stone called petalite for a year. I'm going to get it. And put, I was like, no, but I thought "Hmm, a girl can hope. So I grabbed the crystal and I woke up Mike and I'm like, Hey, did you put this on my bedside table? And he said, no, what is it? And I said, it's a crystal. And he said, how the hell did it get there? I said, I don't know. And I'm just really happy that he was there throughout the whole thing to witness it, you know, because you kind of, when this stuff happens, you're like, what? So I took a picture of it. I sent it to Joel, my crystal friend who trained as a crystal therapist with Melody. I thought he'll know what this is. And he texted back and said, that's petalite. Now I had been looking for pink petalite. So I had to look up clear petalite and sure enough, he was right. I still have that stone. I'm holding it right now. And I don't know how it got here. But I think I do. I think it was my angel. (laughs) I think you're right. And also validation when you kept trying to look for it, trying to find it. Are you really there? 
I need this stone to make a stronger connection. And then poof. Yeah, and there it was. And I mean, really, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I feel so silly praying for certain things when there's really heavy stuff going on in the world that need a lot of angelic help. Like they're going to stop in their day to help Samantha Faye get her petalite. And yet they do. <laughs> they do. They really, each and every time they do. And I think what happens is that when we follow those little nudges and guidances, like take this turn or bring this with you or call that friend, when we pray and we ask for their help, when we are genuinely seeking out a connection, I really think they respond even stronger. And I don't know if it's that they respond stronger because they're like, wow, she's really trying, or if they respond stronger because we're responding so strongly to create that relationship. All I know is it works. A lot of people that may be going through pain or unjust or have had family situations that have completely rocked their faith, that's when it's really hard to believe that you're being protected and held safe. But they're still there. And it's part of of being here, I think, is when we have those moments, maybe asking for extra protection from your guardian angel but they haven't abandoned you. They haven't left. They're still there. And this goes back to what you said earlier about they're not going to walk away. They're, they're devoted to you. But sometimes when, especially as highly sensitive people in empaths, we're going through things where it may be hitting us on such an emotional level, it's hard to remember that we have any protection or guidance available. Yes, and I think very often our angels will work through other people to let us know that is happening. When I was going through my divorce, especially in the early months, it was so hard for me, and I was just a wreck. And and then I get my first lawyer bill. Any of you who have been divorced can sympathize with that. And I'm looking at this going, holy cow, like what? What are they charging per minute? And then they were having meetings about me without telling me and charging me for those meetings. And I was like, what the heck is this going on? And one of my clients who's really more of a dear friend now than a client, but um, out of the blue sent me an envelope with cash. And you know me, I'm I'm not a person to talk about my personal stuff with clients. And she just put a note in there that said, I just felt that you could use this. And that bill was paid. And then a listener slash friend, about two weeks later, I was still feeling like really like, oh, how am I going to do this? I get this huge box in the mail and it's filled with bubble wrap. And I'm like, what is this? This is exciting. And I'm pulling out the bubble wrap. I need to post a picture of it. But it means so much to me that like, I don't know, it's been hard for me to share this because that's how much this gift means to me. It was a crystal ball that she had made. It's a music box, but it's a crystal ball. And it's filled with the most beautiful crystals. There's pink Lemurian in there. And there's um, smoky quartz and tourmaline. It's, it's gorgeous. And it's a snowball, like a snowball globe, a crystal ball. And, and it's a music box, and it plays a song that, that she wrote. I don't know what it is. It, I mean, it's beautiful as it is. But the timing of when it arrived... I just knew it was her angels and my angels going, Hey, this girl over here, she needs a little, a little oomph in her life. And that, that crystal ball sits in my family room and I, I love it. I'm, I'm so protected. I I have the type of house where if you come over with like 10 little kids, 
I'm like, you know, this house is kid proof and pet proof. Have at it. Here's a Sharpie. Like, I don't care. But when I have little kids come over to the house, I take that crystal ball and I move it into my room because I just treasure it so much. Well, that's beautiful. Yeah. And so I think even when you're going through difficult times, you might have to go through that difficult time for whatever reason, but you have to be cognizant and aware and alert for those gifts that come to us. At that same time, a client, um, I had done a reading for her. She really liked it. She knew how much I loved Mary and she mailed me one of her paintings of Mary. And that too hangs in my living room. Like you know, it's just, beautiful. I don't have clients and listeners sending me presents all the time. You? No, no. no. They... And I don't expect them to ever. And to have three of those in those first few months, I just, I just knew it was a sign of, we're with you. You're being supported. You're going to get through this just fine. And I did. That's beautiful because it also, it's a universal experience of you needed that kindness. Did it come from the woman? Was she nudged by her guardian angel or the angelic realm? It doesn't really matter. The Or are uh, they just earth angels? Because I do believe right. in those as well. Right. And if you love the angel topics and you want more information on your guardian angel, what's interesting is it's a cyclical pattern is uh, I remember back in the 80s, there was a big angel push. We're having another one now. I mean, it's always been consistent across history and religion and culture. Yes, but times when we are more connected with the angels or we want more information or more people, I think they've done studies where, what is it, half the population believes in guardian angels, which is a lot when you think of how many people there are. But Kyle Gray does a radio show. He has a website. He is an angelic messenger. He's a great resource. Radley Valentine is a great resource. These are both men who promote angelic work. They have lots and lots of resources on their websites. They used to do radio shows. Now I think they're on a podcast. But just put that out there if this is something that really touches your heart and resonates with you, is to do more research and to see, well, what in this works best for me. And it may be the tradition of quoting scripture. It may be in the just uh, going to church and lighting a candle. It may be walking through the woods and knowing you're protected and safe. It doesn't matter. I really believe it's all coming from the same place. I do too. I have a list of my favorite angel books on my website under resources, but I'll post a list of those books and, and those two gentlemen you just mentioned as well on our Facebook page, because there really are so many great books out there. And you can just put the thought out there, like, dear angels, I would like to learn more about you. Send me in the right direction. I remember I walked into our metaphysical store years ago, and I had set, sent that thought out. It was during my petalite searching time. And I walked in and there was a, at the time, there was just a small bookshelf of books. And I, and I looked through it and there was one book on angels. It was a red book by Flower Newhouse. And I pulled it out and I said, oh, this must be the book. And I brought it up to the register and the owner of the store said, I've never seen this book before. There's no price tag on it. And she said, well, I don't know what to charge you. She said, I don't know if this is a book that, because they have like a box out on the porch where you can donate books and people can just take from them. Mm -hmm. And she said, maybe someone put it from there because this isn't a book I purchased for the store. And I said, well, it says $14.99 on the little ISBN label. Just charge me that. And she was like, no, I don't know. I feel weird about it. She said, how about 10 bucks?" And I said, okay. 
And I still have that book and I really, really enjoyed it. So you just, you just never know when you, when you put that thought out there, I want to connect with you on a deeper level. So I think prayer is the best way to connect with your angels. And you can just talk to them in prayer and then listen to answers. You can say angel prayers. I mean, there's the Archangel Michael prayer we mentioned on the other show, but the guardian angel prayer, I believe, is um, guardian angel, my guardian dear, to whom his love commits me here ever this day and night, be at my side to light and guard, to rule and guide. There's the angel prayer for uh, when you're sleeping at night, you know, four angels by my bed. So there's so many, but you can also just create your own and, and just start to initiate and strengthen that relationship. Dreams are a great way. You can write a question you have for your angel on a piece of paper and stick it under your pillow. That one is a little slower. For me, it takes about two weeks of doing that to get an answer in my dreams. Some of you might have quicker responses, but it's a wonderful way to connect. Pay attention to gentle, repetitive thoughts. I use the word gentle on purpose because when the ego mind is speaking to us, we're going to have repetitive thoughts. Like, you need to pay that bill. Taxes are due. Those are scary, fearful, repetitive thoughts, not your angel. But when you have those gentle, quiet, small little nudges that keep popping up in your mind as you're driving to work or in the shower or getting dressed for the day, you know, a little thought over and over again, hey, call your friend Melissa, and it pops up again, and it pops up a third time. There's a reason for that, and you need to follow that. This is a great way to connect with your angels, to pay attention to synchronicity and signs um, like I posted on Instagram, I think this is like, I don't know, two or three years ago. I said to my angels, I need a sign that you're still with me. I haven't heard from you in a while. I just need a sign. I don't care what the sign is. It doesn't have to be a purple flower, a bluebird. I just need a sign. I was just frustrated because I hadn't felt connected to them in a while. And I'm driving to the school to pick up my kids. And this truck pulls out in front of me and it's, you know, wrapped in the logo of a business. And the business name was a sign from above. <laughs> things you cannot make up now a lot of people will say if they find a little white feather like out of the blue a little white feather shows up or a white feather in particular and I've had people in spirit and I'm thinking of one in particular that the man this was years ago I was doing the reading and it, he said tell her I'll show her feathers and this young woman repeatedly found feathers in the most bizarre place and I shared that with someone and they said, oh, that was from, coming from angel, not from an angel, not from the person in spirit. And I don't agree. I think that people in spirit, that our loved ones can also send us feathers. It doesn't just have to be angelic. I agree. I agree. And I think you have to be careful with the feather thing too. You know, I think like you were saying, it has to be in an unusual way. Like I have two pillows in my living room couch that are filled with down feathers. So I find little white feathers all the time in my house. Mm -hmm. Those aren't angels. That's the feathers pillow. coming out of my pillow. <laughs> right. So you have to, you know, or like walk, if I walk the beach and I wanted to, I could collect 15 feathers a day, but those are coming from the seabirds. So I think it has to be an unusual feather that you find. Like, the story I always tell is when I um, asked God, okay, if I'm really supposed to do this work and come out of the psychic closet, I need a really big sign. And I was walking home from book club and I looked up and I saw a shooting star. And I was like, oh my God, that's my sign. This is amazing. That's so cool. 
And then, of course, my ego took over and I was like, Samantha, a million people in the world just saw that shooting star. How do you know it was for you? So I said to God, I need another sign. Please don't get mad at me for being filled with doubt, but I need another sign and it needs to be just for me. And so that morning I'm walking with my friend Allison and she's talking and talking and I'm walking and walking and out of the sky, a white feather starts rocketing back and forth, slowly falling down. And I stopped walking and I held out my hand and it landed in my, my palm. And I do still have that feather. It's in my bag with my angel stones. And I remember my friend Allison going, why'd you stop walking? And I was like, oh, this white feather just landed in my palm. And inside I wanted to like cry and, and laugh and hug her. But I, you know, I couldn't tell anyone really. I wasn't comfortable actually coming out of the psychic closet. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, I guess it fell from a bird. Anyway, and she just kept on going. And, and I just walked on with this knowledge of like, oh my God, I just got a sign. So I think it's when you do get the white feathers, whether they're from a loved one or from your angel, I, I just think we can't take every feather as a sign. No, but if it's in an odd place, if you've asked specifically, if you don't have a, a feather pillow on your couch <laughs> that is just randomly fluffing them into the air, <laughs> it, it's a pretty universal sign from from angels, but also from our loved ones. You know, there's a lot of, in many, many, many of the books I've read on connecting with your angels, they recommend automatic writing. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? I think for some people, it's a wonderful tool. I really do. I think that that's why I promote that type of writing to connect with your people in spirit as well. If you make a ritual and routine and you say, okay, I'm going to write with my my loved ones or my guardian angel or my angelic realm and I'm going to meet you, I'll be there at six o'clock tonight and you start writing at, for a half hour free form, you just write that first time you do it it'll be like this is ridiculous i have laundry what am i thinking i'm not going to get anything if you keep showing up and you keep showing that keep doing it over and over and over you'll make the connection i've never ever seen that not happen for someone yes i agree and i also think before we wrap up i think it's a great idea to work on being an angel yourself to work on being an earth angel as you go throughout your path and to really consciously think how can I be an angel for someone today? I think that, I don't know, whenever I ask those questions and I do kind deeds, I know it helps the person I'm doing the kind deed for, but it does 10 times the amount for me. Like when I do something anonymously and just sincerely from the bottom of my heart just to try to be an earth angel for someone, I feel so amazing. It, it's, it's the best feeling in the world. And I think if we all go throughout our life thinking, how can I be like an earth angel today? We will not only strengthen our connection to our angels, but we'll strengthen our own light as well. And it's really easy. I mean, if you just look around and and you see anyone in need, or if you just send someone a card who's going through a difficult time, or, or just think about those three gifts that clients, listeners, and friends gave me during those first months. I, I really don't have words to tell you how frequently I think about what those gifts meant to me and tell those stories to anyone who will listen who are going through their own hard times. And I think, gosh, do those women know? I mean, I told them, but do they really know what that meant to me? I just think those, those simple and big gestures we can do to be an angel for someone else, the ripple effect is truly amazing. 
Well, as you guys know, we love angels. So if you have a guardian angel story, please take a moment in your busy day to share it with us because we would love to read them and we would love to share them on the show if we get your permission. You can always email us, enlightenedempaths at gmail, or message us on Facebook where we can be found under Enlightened Empaths. Um, because I just think the more that we can share our own stories of angelic encounters, the more we can affirm for people who are kind of on the edge with the whole angel and wings thing that these invisible helpers really are there. And because God has given us the gift of free will, we do have to ask for their help. It's as simple as saying, angels, please help me, and they will be there. And so I think sharing the stories that we all, all of us together listening here now have with our own angels can really have a ripple effect of helping other people to just remember, my angels are there. I just have to ask them for help. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you have a great week. Don't forget, as always, to show up, do great work, and share your light. Bye-bye. Take care.